Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on June 11th, 2021 from a closet down in James Island. I'm not going to tell you where. It's a new closet. It's the third floor. It might sound different to our uh, to our listeners there. And just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features the latest on the state budget passed by the House. We talk about a bipartisan Senate bill set to boost American technological competitiveness, and SLED Chief Mark Keel breaks down some worrisome crime stats for us. Boeing's CEO says the Dreamliner will soon be back up and running to pre-pandemic production levels, and the governor and others announced a new workforce training program as federal unemployment benefits get ready to expire. And we have the latest on the Biden administration's vaccine push, including an interview with Interior Secretary Deb Holland and what Vice President Kamala Harris will do in Greenville. Got lots in here today, folks. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life during these more certain times. Leave us a voicemail at 803-563-7169. Make it one to three minutes long. Tell us what's going on, what you're doing, if you're vaccinated, what your summer plans are. It's June. It's important. The Hopper needs you. The Hopper and the Pod, we need you. Serve your country. Do your duty. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is moderate, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 9,776 total deaths, and currently there are 594,805 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of June 11th at 4 p.m. Our seven-day moving average for cases is 212, and we're on track to have our eighth consecutive week of declining cases. Our current percent positive rate is 2.1%. Currently, 168 South Carolinians are hospitalized with COVID-19, 53 are in intensive care, and 25 are on ventilators. Also, nearly 39%, or 1.6 million South Carolinians, are fully vaccinated. 46% have received at least one dose. Yeah, we're holding strong there, it looks like. Sad side. The House of Representatives passed its new $10.7 billion budget this week, which includes money for a lot of the same things we've previously talked about, like money to freeze tuition for in-state students at public universities and colleges, also sending $440 million to repair buildings on those campuses, a 3% pay raise for state employees, as well as pay raises for police officers and teachers, and putting an officer and nurse in every school. Now, the AP reports new additions like a $3 million plan to improve the treatment of mentally ill people in state jails, including a pilot program to create a crisis unit to keep mentally ill people out of jail cells in the first place, and $4 million to prosecutors and public defenders to help get through a backlog of cases after the COVID-19 pandemic shut down courts for months. The budget now heads to a conference committee of three House and three Senate lawmakers to hash out the final version of the spending plan that will take effect July 1st. From Columbia to Washington, the U.S. Senate passed a bill Tuesday. Yes, you heard me correctly. The U.S. Senate actually passed something with bipartisan support. It's a bill to spend $250 billion on scientific research and technology, 
I can't believe I'm reading all these words. Senate, bipartisan, billions, technology, what? Well, the Associated Press does not lie, folks. A key part of this bill is the $50 billion for the Commerce Department to help boost semiconductor development and manufacturing through research and incentive programs previously authorized by Congress. Now, if you didn't know that we're having a hell of a time with getting enough semiconductors, which are critical for everything from phones to cars and driving up prices on many items, well, we are. Semiconductors are uh, mm, the most complex objects we as a species make, and the industry isn't suited to handle the demand swings of the past year. You know what? Same. This Senate-approved bill also sends tens of billions of dollars to the National Science Foundation, which finances about a quarter of all federally supported research by America's Institutes of Higher Education. The investment takes direct aim at China, which The Economist states is about five to ten years behind the U.S., but actively catching up with its own $100 billion chip subsidy program. A fifth of the world's chip production, and the best, I might add, comes out of Taiwan, which China claims as its own territory and threatens to invade. A lot of moving parts here, folks. And let's not forget who controls about two-thirds of the rare earth minerals on the planet. China. So, a lot going on there. This bill passed the Senate by a vote of 68 to 32, with Senator Lindsey Graham voting for it and Senator Tim Scott against it. Scott said in part, quote, while this bill has positive elements, we cannot ask taxpayers to pick up the tab for massive and duplicative spending on already competitive industries. Instead, we must get serious about building our strategic advantage over China by unleashing private sector innovation and confronting the CCP's illegal tactics and outright theft, quote. This bill now goes to the House, where its future is uncertain as it's crafting its own version of the bill. Back down south, the state has seen an increase in violent crime, according to preliminary 2020 crime data. I spoke with State Law Enforcement Division Chief Mark Keel about this trend and more on This Week in South Carolina. And we started off by talking about what the trends actually look like. The most uh, troubling uh, statistic that we had in this information was the fact we've seen murders increase 25% over, over one year. That is just from 457 to 571 that's the most murders that uh, we have ever recorded since records have been being kept all the way back to 1960. So uh, needless to say, that's very troubling to us. Also, we saw aggravated assaults increase by 9.3%. So when you look at violent crime, those numbers are certainly going in the wrong direction. So you're seeing these increases in, like you said, uh, murder, aggravated assaults, arsons as well, it sounds like, from what the press release said, but also some decreases too. So how would you describe what you're seeing right now in the state when it comes to this kind of crime? Well, as you said, we did see a 21% increase in uh, arson cases. Uh, that was a little bit surprising because we had seen the previous two years, 2018, 2019, we had seen decreases in arson. Property crimes, on the other hand, were down 6% this year, and this continues a six-year decline in property crimes. And so we were, uh, again, uh, happy to see that. But um, the, the increase in violent crime obviously overshadows the decreases in property crimes. Mm -hmm. Any idea what's driving this, Chief? I know it's still preliminary. We're still working through the data here. But uh, any indications, any anecdotes about what could be driving this data increase? Well, I just tell you that uh, the majority of what we're seeing, uh, gangs, drugs, and, and, and gun crimes, uh, we're seeing more and more younger people with guns. Uh, we're seeing more and more younger people as victims of, of gun crimes. And also we're seeing young people who are, uh, who are the trigger pullers in, in these gun crimes as well. But, but gangs and drugs seem to be uh, the biggest uh, thing that we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of retaliatory uh, 
murders. Uh, when somebody will get killed in, in a community where uh, there's gang activity and, and we can just about bet that within the next day or so, we're going to have a, another uh, shooting. Recently saw in North Charleston, there was a mass shooting recently that uh, took the life of one teenage girl. Um, again, young people involved in that as well. Uh, we just saw a double homicide down there in the Low Country with the Murdoch family. I'm wondering how data is looking right now when we're talking halfway through 2021 and we're starting to look at some uh, continued dis disturbing trends, it seems like. It's not good. Uh, if it continues at the pace that we're looking at right now, uh, the numbers this year will exceed uh, last year's numbers. So we're not very optimistic about, about 2021. Uh, we just, uh, we're very concerned about it. So, Chief, we just talked about a lot of data here, a lot of issues concerning us. Uh, what needs to be done right now? You talked about communities needing to be more engaged. Is there a fear of trust? Is there a fear of retribution when it comes to working with law enforcement? What's what's the issue you guys are running into? It is, it is part of it, I'm sure, in some communities. Uh, it is. You know, what I said is we can't do it by ourselves. Uh, law enforcement cannot do it by ourselves. We have to have the support of our legislature. Uh, we have to have the support of our communities. Uh, law enforcement has to work together. We can't be territorial. We can't worry about who's going to get credit for, for anything. We have to work together. We need our faith communities working with us. And a big part of it is our court system, uh, our judicial system. Our entire criminal justice system has to come together. Now, we've had almost a, a year where our courts have been shut down. So quite frankly, uh, a lot of victims are not getting justice because of that. They have a huge backlog. They already had a huge backlog before COVID, and now that backlog is made even larger. And so uh, one of the things that I'm going to try and, and do is, is we have to have more judges. We have to have more sessions of court to be able to get some of these cases prosecuted. And that means that our solicitors uh, need more help. Our public defenders need more help to be able to get these cases through court. And there's so much more in that interview, including the chief explaining his stance against sentencing reform and much more. You can watch the rest of that on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. And remember, Twisk airs every Friday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 1.30 p.m. on ETV channels. our business section, the Post and Courier reports that Boeing CEO David Calhoun recently told those at the Bernstein Strategic Decisions Conference on June 3rd that Boeing will, quote, get back to the rates that they used to be at, quote, for the Dreamliner, which has been built exclusively in North Charleston since late February. The twin-aisle Dreamliner used for long-haul flights is currently being built at a rate of five per month, far from its peak of 14 when work was split between sites in South Carolina and Everett, Washington. Now, Dreamliner deliveries were paused for about five months from late 2020 through earlier this year because of ongoing quality issues with the jets. Deliveries started up again in late March, but have been halted since May when Federal Aviation Administration regulators said they were asking the company for more information about a new inspection method. Moving on, we know that federal unemployment benefits will end at the end of this month, weeks earlier than planned due to a push from Governor Henry McMaster to get more unemployed South Carolinians back to work. 
Now to help folks get trained for different fields, McMaster, the Department of Employment and Workforce Director Dan Elsey, and the State Technical College System announced a new workforce training initiative that will be available for free to 3,100 South Carolinians. Those who take advantage of the short-term retraining programs offered at local technical colleges won't have to conduct weekly job searches as required to receive benefits. Now you can sign up at sctechsystem.edu. There are 11 programs that are about 16 weeks or less. But like I said, that extra $300 in weekly federal unemployment benefits runs out in less than three weeks, at which point folks will only be receiving the state average of about $236 a week. And on the way out, a Wall Street Journal article leads off with this. The U.S. economy's rebound from the pandemic is driving the biggest surge in inflation in nearly 13 years, with consumer prices rising in May by 5% from a year ago. Consumers are seeing higher prices for many of their purchases, particularly big-ticket items such as vehicles. Prices for used cars and trucks leapt by 7.3% from the previous month, driving one-third of the rise in the overall index. Now, the indexes for furniture, airline fares, and apparel also rose sharply in May. Okay, so it is the, quote, National Month of Action, quote, the big push by the Biden administration to get at least one vaccine dose in the arms of 70% of Americans. And while it looks like it will fall short, that's not stopping the administration from hammering on it. In fact, they're taking out all the stops, including sending Vice President Kamala Harris to a vaccine site in Greenville on Monday. And Department of the Interior Secretary Deb Holland even reached out to me on Tuesday to chat about the administration's efforts. Here's part of our conversation. I just feel like it's an all-hands-on-deck moment, Mm -hmm. and the fastest way to open our economy, to open our schools, to open our public spaces so that everybody can join together again is to make sure that we're all vaccinated. So um, that's an easy way to do it, vaccines.gov, and I hope everyone will check that out today. Yeah, we've had a FEMA-supported vaccination site here in Columbia since April. Um, It is set to close this week, but do you know of any other direct efforts by the administration or agencies to send additional resources to the state to kind of help with this push at this moment? Well, I know that we're reaching out to, uh, you know, via small businesses to encourage vaccine mobility sites. Uh, We're working with states. Uh, There's state incentives. I'm sure you've seen some of those around, Mm, (laughs) little lottery prize and all of that. Um, But uh, I know that uh, the Biden administration wants to empower states and local communities to ensure that they can provide those vaccinations for uh, folks in every community. And the best way to to find that is by going to vaccines.gov. Now, it would take months for South Carolina to reach the 70 percent goal on its own at current rates. But Dr. Anthony Fauci and other members of the White House COVID response team said Tuesday that the aspirational goal is just that. When when goals are set, they're set to be able to stimulate us to get to that goal. If you don't meet the precise goal and you fall short by a few percent, that doesn't mean you stop in your effort to get people vaccinated. We have always held that July 4th is not the end of it. We want to reach 70 percent of the adult population by the 4th of July, 
I believe we can. I hope we will. And if we don't, we're going to continue to keep pushing. As of our taping, 64% of Americans have received at least one vaccine dose. Now, the state continues to see declining trends for cases, hospitalizations, and deaths thanks to the vaccines, as well as some natural immunity from those who have been infected. DHEC director Dr. Edward Simmer said on Monday that we're probably nearing herd immunity, though stronger vaccination rates would reinforce that. Herd immunity is a hard thing to pin down. You know, we've said 70 to 80 percent. Certainly, if we can get to 70 to 80 percent immunity, I think we'll be in a good place. Uh, you know, as, as was mentioned, the vaccination, fully vaccinated rate now for South Carolina is about 38 uh, percent. There are then those who had the disease and recovered. Those folks have immunity for a period of time as well. Since this is a very new disease, we don't know for sure how long either one of those immunities lasts. We, we believe it's at least a year, but we don't know for sure how long. Um, so we're probably fairly close to herd immunity, and I think the numbers we're seeing indicate that. You know, having said that, we still want more folks to get vaccinated. We still want more folks to be immune because there are still folks getting very sick and dying from COVID-19 in South Carolina. So we have more work to do. But I think we are getting close to the point where the immunity, both from vaccinations and having the disease, is having a marked effect, a marked positive effect on the numbers that we're seeing. The vaccines are also a critical line of defense against the more transmissible and deadly Delta strain of the virus. That's the strain that ravaged India. Now, now get this. Listen to these numbers, folks. There's data. Yahoo News reports that the Delta variant is 40 to 60 percent more transmissible than the Alpha variant. That was one that was first discovered in the UK, which itself is 70 percent more transmissible than the wild type. So Delta means bad, okay? Now, officials say that this would create a big problem among the unvaccinated and those in between shots, whereas scientists believe that those who are fully vaccinated have 88% protection against symptomatic disease from the Delta variant. Dr. Fauci pointed out just how much of a difference getting both shots makes in protecting from the 617 or Delta variant and the B117 alpha variant. Here he is. Two weeks after the second dose of the mRNA Pfizer-BioNTech, it was 88% effective against the 617. And just like we've shown multiple times, over 93% effective against the B117. Three weeks after one dose, both vaccines, the AZ and the Pfizer-BioNTech, were only 33% effective against symptomatic disease from Delta clearly important about why a second dose is so important. So it's very clear about how important it is to be fully vaccinated, especially as the Delta variant is replacing other variants as the dominant strain. This is worrisome because it is spreading rapidly among young adults in the United Kingdom, and the Delta variant accounts for a little more than 6% of sequenced cases in the United States. DHEX state epidemiologist Dr. Linda Bell told reporters this week that young people continue to catch and spread the virus. It is in the uh, young adults and uh, young adolescents that we are seeing more cases because of the shift. And it is, uh, it is significantly due to vaccination coverage, as well as behaviors in those population groups who may be less likely to follow uh, the recommended guidance for those who are not vaccinated, to continue to wear their masks, to continue to practice social distancing. And if they don't follow those guidelines, we know that it is the unvaccinated who are at risk of being infected. And so it is um, entirely expected that we would see increases in uh, the, the rates in those who have the lowest vaccination coverage. Now, while the national vaccination push continues, 
the international community is ramping up its support to the world, especially the most vulnerable countries, by donating 1 billion doses of COVID vaccines, half of which will come from the United States. President Joe Biden announced this ahead of the G7 summit, and this donation constitutes the largest single donation of vaccines in history. The other six countries will supply the remaining half billion doses through COVAX, with delivery starting in August. And on our way out, while this big nationwide vaccine push is underway, the only FEMA-supported vaccination site in our state just administered its final dose on Wednesday. In total, 21,644 vaccine doses were administered at the Community Vaccination Clinic at Columbia Place Mall over the past eight weeks. The site administered Pfizer doses and added Johnson & Johnson shots for the last two weeks, which accounted for about 1,500 doses. The site was picked for its central location in the state and even vaccinated a lot of folks passing through the state thanks to the digital messaging boards on the interstates informing drivers of the site that was open 12 hours a day every day. Welcome to our wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. So tell us, tell us your stories. Only a maximum of three minutes, so we don't have time for all of your stories, but we want to hear some of them. So give us a call at 803-563-7169. Don't worry about it. Everyone's like, oh, should I call? Should I not call? Tell us. Call. Tell us. (laughs) Tell us. Come on. (laughs) Anyway, um, AT, that being said... What's what's our hopper looking like? How's it the hopping? The hopper sitch is it, it's maintaining at best. I mean, if it was well, a gas I, gauge right now in my car, where would it be? Oh, it the would be beyond? just just <laughs> under the quarter tank. Okay, uh-uh. that's not uh-uh. good. You got to start you got to start planning ahead. At I can probably point. keep driving for a little bit longer, but I'm about to go breaking down on the side of the road here. Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, run out of gas. Embarrassing. Have you just ever, as have embarrassing. I've never had that happen. A, Has that ever happened to you? Uh, never for me, but uh, uh, my in-laws, uh, Caitlin's mm. family, they mm. love to run out of gas. I oh think it's God. like a big family goof they all do. But it's not anyway. good for the car, folks. <laughs> not good for the lead. Not good for anyone. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's let's listen to our voicemail for today. Yeah, I'll roll that bean footage. Hey, guys, this is Pamela from Columbia. I wanted to say a few words about parenting a special needs child. As most parents are excited at the prospect of summer camps, parents with special needs children are in a bit of a pickle. Special needs children typically don't adapt easily to change. Do you remember how hard it was to transition children to having every part of life happen at home? That change was most likely very difficult for a special needs child. That same child transitioning back into life is probably going to be a lot harder. For a year, we have reinforced at home and safety, and any time we left home, we were careful. Being at home for a year means we have settled into a lot of routines. We might not even have noticed how many. For a special needs child, routines are comforting. We're about to ask them to abandon many of these routines and home and go out into the world. Their parents are about to embark on an intense, difficult journey. If you know a parent of a special needs child, reach out, even if it's just to give the gift of listening and understanding. Thanks. Pamela, thanks for calling and thanks for sharing your story about your special needs child. That's definitely some great advice for folks to consider. And of course, understanding is the best thing we can all do to help support y'all. Thanks again for sharing that story. Very important to consider. I know. I mean, I I have enough trouble getting you. I'm still not used to working back in the office. And yeah, like, I mean, there's so much adjustment going on. I know my cats aren't that my cats hate it. They wish I was at home. That's how lonely my life is anyway. But uh, anyway, it's it's a lot, especially, you know, you're popping over. Amy's popping over. I'm yelling at Josh all the time. Oh, Josh. uh, Josh can't catch a break with me. (laughs) With me and Charleston, I'm sure it was just an absolute. 
I don't know. We got a couple more weeks. He's like ready to go. No, we're waiting for <laughs> anyway. We're speaking, waiting for AT to come back from Charleston. Speaking so of Josh, it, it's stuff. everyone's yes. favorite time of the week. It is Josh's news. Josh, how are you doing? How are you doing, man? I'm good, guys. How are you? Oh, good. so great. Now, good. now I'm good. I had to listen to Gavin blather on for like an hour can, before this. I can hear you. I'm watching this on FaceTime. <laughs> so let's go, Josh. What do you got? All right. So this one's more of a Nat Geo type of story. Mm, love um, it. But I'll keep, I'll try to keep the details not that specific. Well, please keep why. it PG. PG-13, Ex- Josh, listen, yeah. please. Yeah. yeah. So Hard in R Yemen. Here. In Yemen, a 280-pound chunk of whale vomit recovered from a sperm whale carcass has netted Mm. 35 fishermen $1.5 million. I know all about this. Oh, you do? Okay, good. Not this exact story, but I know about whale vomit. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I didn't. So what makes (laughs) this... Normal people don't. No, normal people probably don't, honestly. But (laughs) what makes this so valuable is that there is a substance that sperm whale produce that can only be recovered when they defecate or vomit. And Mm -hmm. that substance is called ambergris. 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 Okay. Um, Also known as floating gold. Um, (laughs) Ambergris right now is worth about $35 per gram. Mm, To put that in perspective. a little bit lower than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) In the circles I trade on the maritime, of course, I I usually get a lot of poachers. A lot of of puke poachers. Puke poachers, we call ourselves. Gold is about 60, just to put it in perspective per gram. Um, but despite how gross this sounds, ironically, ambergris is very valuable in the perfume industry. That's mm. what it's for. And aside from its unique odor, its main function really is to help perfume scent bind to the surface of the skin mm. and stick around longer instead of quickly evaporating. So <laughs> mm-hmm. the only problem is it's so rare to find most manufacturers just rely on synthetic versions. Mm-hmm. And yes. Uh, personally, I don't use perfume or cologne or any type of fragrance. It's Same. Usually, yeah. If you smell Why? anything on me, it'll probably be just deodorant or body wash. Yeah, deodorant's fine, as far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> you don't have a musk or a scent, a signature I'm not scent? A, I'm not a stinky guy, no. I'm, oh, I, I really not, don't I'm stink. not saying you're stinky. <laughs> I just stinky. don't like Jeez, the residue. The residue yeah, you're the you're talking about, yeah, Josh and you I just, just don't like the feeling of the whale barf on our skin. Well, I, I don't have the good whale barf parfum, but, you know. <laughs> parfum. My, <laughs> parfum. But my, uh, yeah, I got a good scent from Joe Malone. I was, yeah. I Who is mine. Joe Malone? Is that's that your, the, is that your smell the dealer? Cologne maker. Yeah, it's my smell maker. <laughs> it's British. Well, that was very interesting, Josh. And I will say that like part of the, part of my internet connection broke up midway through and I came back and I was like <laughs> talking about the prices of like the vomit. Yeah. So very interesting. You, you held it together. Uh, great. If you hadn't said anything, no one would have known. Yeah. yeah, word. But um, uh, I, I I learned about that literally from a Bob's Burgers episode. That's why I know about it because oh, they find awesome. some Bobby, <laughs> Bob, Bobby. Um, well, this kind of made me think of this this other news that came out this week about this oh, yeah. microscopic multi-celled organism that has returned to life after being frozen for twenty four thousand years in Siberia. Oh, this and is permafrost AT, news. At this just it, it just reeks of the thing. 
You know, okay. oh, we are in God. a John yes. Carpenter movie right now. It has woken up and it's also like replicated because that's how it does. It's, and I'm like, oh my God, no, mm-hmm. put it back under. <laughs> put it oh, back Josh, under the ice. You gotta, you, Josh, you have to see this movie from 1982 called The Thing. And it, uh, it, it holds it's up. It's the greatest, greatest practical effects, practical effects, not special effects. They hold up, bud. Okay. And these things are, are ripping themselves apart, copying people. It's great. You got to see this movie. Kurt Russell. It, does it have anything to do with the the like being brought back to life or like being frozen they, over so time? There's an Antarctic uh, scientific mission, and they find frozen in the ice. Uh, Easy. Let's not give away too much. Okay. Something okay. from Let's just say another a world. Yeah. Yeah, and it uh, it's not very friendly. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's <laughs> so pretty it's cool. possible. It's it, it could be possible. It's Basically could be like possible. Jurassic Park. Yeah. You know, you can't. Now that this news has come out, you can't cross it out. You cannot say that it's not the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. yeah, it's definitely. If, yeah. if Marvel can freeze Captain America, then that's then, right. If yeah. Cap yeah. can survive it, so can so can tardigrades and. Uh, and shape-shifting aliens. Yeah, right. but what a little. Uh, <laughs> pretty wild that this thing can survive for so long. Good it's for that. Terrifying. Good for you. You know what? Good for Little you. Guy. You know what? Do your Good thing. for you. Um, AT, did you have something to add about your age? Speaking oh, no. Of it's just years. Uh, Charleston. Uh, my, my time in Spoleto is winding down. Bradley Fuller's radio show. It's it's done for, for broadcasting here. He's sitting over here. We're packing so you're getting, up. In, you're getting introspective now. Things are yeah, winding down. Um, you're in the winter of your life. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and so when I, was, when I was bending over to wrap up <laughs> wires, squatting down, um, it was one of the first oh, times no. that when I stood up, it was like, <laughs> Whoa. and I was like, oh, my knees were and, and hips were just popping like crazy. It sounded like Gotta get popcorn. some collagen. Get on some like, collagen. Good God. It, it's, it, I used to make fun of my friends. Uh, Kellen, one of the, my, my wife's business partner at Craft and Draft, he's Mr. Yep. Cracky, Creaky Crack. So I always make fun of him I for used that. to creak and, a lot, here but I, I, I popped some collagen and I'm... I'm, I'm like you're, a fresh you used to be the tin man, and now you're like lubed <laughs> yeah, up everywhere, juicy me. joints. <laughs> and my hair and nails are so thick. <laughs> Have you started reaching for the armbar yet when you go up and downstairs? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've fallen into the toilet six or seven times here. <laughs> I have to call Bradley to come help me out. Oh, well, you're going to have a hard time in your house. It's all stairs at your house. I, it's all stairs, yeah. And I got to, uh, I, I, I've, I've already bought a chair for the shower. <laughs> okay, now we're just becoming ageist. We love our older adults and listeners, but AT is clearly on his way to becoming one of them. The gray hair is already rolling in, too. Oh, gray hair is here. Here to stay. Here to stay. I, I, to I stay. look much smarter than I did before. But <laughs> take it out, Gavin. Say goodbye to All everyone. All right, folks. Well, let us know uh, if you've been trapped in the ice, how many years you're alive for, if your <laughs> joints are popping. If you knew about the whale vomit, uh, a lot of great stuff here in the wind down. Let us know some wild stuff. 803-563-7169. We always love hearing from you guys. And you can also show us your appreciation by leaving us an iTunes review. Get them while you can. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. I don't know about you, but my clothes are made out of semiconductors. (laughs) Oh, my God. The most elite clothing is. It's the most practical use for them.